you know, one of the ways I fight loneliness during this time of quarantine is getting together with you, my church family, every Sunday morning. I'm so glad for us to be together once again. And what an unbelievable Easter weekend we had last week. It was just crazy. Uh, being online vastly increased our impact. Do you know that since we went virtual, our reach of people, that is our people sharing with other people who share with other people, our reach of people from our church who have shared with others, uh, the last time I checked a couple of days ago was 806,973. I mean, it's like pushing a million. I mean, that's so crazy. Uh, that's you sharing with your family and friends, and I just praise God for you. Now, the number that we have had a stronger engagement with, and so this is really more of a realistic number, is over, the last time I checked, over 63,000. Uh, but last Sunday, we had thousands join us for Easter uh, from 39 different states. Last, last Sunday on Easter, just that day, from over 39 different states and from six of the seven continents. We still haven't been able to break into Antarctica, so we're still working on that one. Uh, Sunday, the Inland Valley Daily Bulletin, the San Gabriel Valley Tribune, and the San Bernardino Sun all carried an article about how the coronavirus pandemic forced us as a church to go online with our annual Easter at Fairplex event. But here, here's just the amazing thing for me, and I imagine you've thought about this as well, that for 23 years, we have not been rained out. Uh, for 23 years, one at the epicenter, 22 at the fairplex, we've not been rained out. The one year, this year, when we would have definitely had to cancel because of rain, it doesn't matter because we're already online. And so if we had not been able to be at the fairplex, we just would have had a fraction of the outreach that we could have had. But instead, we had many multiple times more than that because we were already prepared uh, to go virtual online. It just, it's just amazing what God has done and what he is doing. And so wherever you are right now, would you just say, praise God with me. All together, wherever we are uh, together, praise God. Uh, by the way, the entire Easter service is archived on our website, and so if you'd like to share it with uh, anyone, it, it's there on our website, and you can share the entire service is archived there. Uh, now, I'm all by myself here in the worship center. The technicians aren't even here. They're in the media center. So I'm like, like all alone in here. I want you to know, I miss you all so, so much. Um, I saw a funny article in the Babylon Bee, you know, that's the editor-in-chief is a young man, Kyle Mann, uh, that grew up in our church and it's just sweeping the nation. It's kind of a Christian Saturday Night Live, Christian satire, and there was uh, a headline on a recent Babylon Bee that said, church adds laugh track after pastor's jokes. And the article went like this, Christ Church of the Hills live streams their sermons every Sunday. One thing that is missing, though, is audience laughter at all of the pastor's hilarious jokes. To make the live stream sermon feel more real to the audience, the pastor has instructed the tech team to add a laugh track after each of his jokes. Now, that is a joke. That, that's not true. But I thought to myself, what a great idea. Uh, so, so, so let's try it, okay? Let's, let's get that laugh track uh, going. Uh, here's my, my first meme for the week. 2020 is a unique leap year. It has 29 days in February, 300 days in March, and five years in April. Huh? That, pretty, pretty hilarious, right? Okay, let's, let's try another one. Uh, so far, 2020 is like looking both ways before crossing the street and then getting hit by an airplane. Right? Okay, I, I, you guys, I'm feeling very affirmed and loved right now. And here's the final one. This is a picture of back row Baptists watching uh, online. Want to hear the laugh? Oh, oh, what a great, you know, even after we're not live streaming anymore, maybe, maybe this is something we, we keep doing. I, I think this is, we're, we're on to something here. Now, today we're starting a new series called Quarantine Christianity. And what just a weird five weeks this has, has been. Just very, very unusual. Um, here's a picture of Disneyland. Um, have you ever seen Disneyland that empty? 
Uh, here's a picture of Trafalgar Square in downtown London. Uh, here, this is the best one. Here's a picture of the L.A. Freeway. And I know the few people that do still go to work um, and, and, and drive, the freeways are just completely uh, empty on that. Uh, here's St. Peter's, uh, here's Paris, I'm sorry, Paris. And then St. Peter's Square at the Vatican, um, almost completely empty. Here's the Las Vegas Strip. Here's the Las Vegas Strip. Uh, just what an unbelievably weird time we're in. Uh, just before I, I, I came in here, uh, my daughter Abby uh, just texted me, uh, Kimberly, my daughter, Ad, our daughter Abby, uh, that she just went to a congressional hearing in Washington, D.C., but they did it by phone. So a congressional hearing on phone, and she was attending this hearing on phone, and she said, uh, Mom and Dad, it's the first congressional hearing I've ever gone to in my sweat bottoms. So she attended a congressional hearing in her sweatpants, all right? Uh, what an interesting time we are in. Now, there have been various plagues and quarantines throughout history. Uh, the bubonic plague in the 1300s, it was sp uh, spread by fleas in rats, and when ships would come into port from Venice, Italy, uh, they would force them to stay in quarantine, stay out at sea, or just off port, for 40 days before they could dock. Uh, the yellow fever hit the United States in 1878, and Congress mandated a quarantine. Uh, the Spanish flu uh, hit in 1918. Uh, it killed 50 million people in the United States and Europe. Uh, schools were closed just like they are now, and public gatherings were forbidden. And uh, we haven't been able to find anything in the history of our church that tells whether or not our church had to close during that time. But if they did have to close, I don't think that they would be able to have gone online with their services in 1918 uh, like we're doing right now. Now, gathering together is at the heart of the Christian faith, which is what makes this so hard. This is not normal for us. Uh, one of the first things that God ever says in the Bible in Genesis 2.18 is, it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for people to be alone. Uh, in the New Testament, one of the key words is koinonia, which in the Greek means Christian fellowship. And this is one of the key words for us as we follow Jesus. We're supposed to do it together. There's no such thing as Lone Ranger Christians. In the New Testament, the phrase one another, uh, as in love one another, serve one another, care for one another, is used 59 times in, in the New Testament. So here's the question. How can we one another? How can we koinonia? How can we it's not good to be alone. How can we uh, do that during this time that we're apart? Well, one of the best ways we can grow as Christians in quarantine is by prioritizing community, which is why we're on track to have one of our largest uh, launch of online Ruta groups uh, beginning today. I think it's like well over 20, uh, way over 20, maybe even pushing 30 by now, Ruta groups that are starting today. Now, Rooted is a 10-week experience with a small group of people, and together you learn more about God, you get to know one another, ask questions, and grow in your faith. And so there's still time to jump in on this, and it's completely free. We're making this free. And here's the cool part. You don't have to limit it like we normally do to people that live locally in the area. You can have friends join you from around the world or across the country. And so maybe join it with a friend. Go to purposechurch.com slash groups to sign up today. And I would just love to have you join me tonight at 5 o'clock at our kickoff tonight for our Rooted Groups. This is a great time to do this. And like I said, get friends from across the country, family members from other places to join you as well. Now, to start this series today, I want to do a general introduction. But then starting next week, we're going to deal with the specific emotions that we're going through as this pandemic wears on and on and on. Just this past week, um, all on one day, three different people uh, saying three different words on, on just one day. I think it was like Tuesday or Wednesday. Here are the three words that these three people I heard used to describe what we're going through. One word was bored. Another word was lonely. Another word was anxious. And those are the words that we're going to deal with in the weeks ahead. But today, I want to say three things about quarantines. Number one, to quarantine is biblical. 
Number two, to quarantine is beneficial. And number three, to quarantine is, is practical. So let's start with to quarantine is biblical. I love this quote by Skip Heitzig, and um, I am using a lot of his excellent material in this message today. He said, we're not in a Revelation 13 moment, but we are in an Exodus 13 moment, a Leviticus 13 moment, a Romans 13 moment, and a 1 Corinthians chapter 13 moment. Now you say, what in the world is he talking, <laughs> is he talking about? Okay, here, here's, here's what he's talking about. He says, we're not in a Revelation 13 moment. Revelation 13 talks about the Antichrist. It talks about the tribulation uh, because uh, Skip doesn't believe, and I don't believe, that we will be here for the tribulation or the Antichrist because we will be raptured uh, before that as followers of Christ. And so Revelation 13 doesn't apply to the situation we're in right now, even though it's tempting to make that application. But we are in, first of all, an Exodus 13 uh, moment. In Exodus 13, verse 14, in days to come when your son asks you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. It's talking about Passover, uh, that the Jewish people just celebrated this past weekend when we were celebrating Easter. And by the way, you want to see something awesome. Uh, I just loved it. Uh, Dr. Carl Tony, one of our uh, New Testament Bible professors here at Purpose Church, he has done a Seder presentation, Christ in the Seder, which is in Passover, which is just awesome. So go online. It's on our website. Just a great, great um, uh, learning experience. So let's go back a chapter to see what's being talked about here. Then Moses summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Verse 22. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on the top and on both sides of the door frame. None of you shall go out of the door of your house until morning. And so it was like a one-day quarantine uh, where if you just stayed in your home for that one night and you put the blood of the Passover lamb over your doorpost to, to symbolize that that lamb had taken your sin. Then when judgment came on the Egyptians, on that nation there, they would pass over those that were safely at home. Those who were safe at home, it was kind of like a one-night quarantine, and they would be passed over. When the Lord goes through the land to strike it down, the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and sides of the doorframe, and will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your houses and strike you down. Obey these instructions as a lasting ordinance for you and your descendants. Now this one-day quarantine to escape a plague that we find here in Exodus is just like receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior into your life today. Jesus is the Passover lamb. John the Baptist, when he saw Jesus, said, Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And when we shelter safely, safe in sheltering at the foot of the cross, under the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, then judgment passes over us. It, it falls on Jesus instead of us, and we can be saved, and we can be forgiven, and we can spend eternity with God in heaven instead of in hell. And at the end of this message, in, in a few minutes, at the end of this message, I'm going to share with you how you can know that you have received God's free gift of salvation, that you are safely at the foot of the cross um, so that you will be safe from the plague of sin and the judgment that comes with that plague. Uh, now we come to Leviticus chapter 13, where Moses and Aaron and the priests of Israel, they become the first infectious disease specialist in human history. They become the first infection control officers in history. Now, you all, if you've been around Purpose Church, you know this is one of my favorite subjects. And, and so I'm just going to touch on it briefly, but I love to talk about this. Leviticus, which is considered the most boring book in the Bible, just contains a bunch of fascinating medical and scientific information that was only discovered in the 1800s or just in the past century. So how did Moses know what we find in here in Leviticus in 1400 BC, 3,400 years ago? How did he know that unless the Bible 
is not a natural book, it's a supernatural book. Uh, It says in Leviticus 13, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses and to Aaron, um, uh, when anyone has a swelling or a rash or a shiny spot in their skin that may be a defiling skin disease, they must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. Now the Hebrew word here uh, translated as defiling skin disease uh, refers to a variety of skin diseases. Uh, The most serious one being leprosy, which is uh, highly uh, contagious. And so skipping down now to verse 4. If the shiny spot on the skin is white, but does not appear to be more than skin deep, and the hair in it has not turned white, uh, those of you who are dermatologists or future dermatologists, this is your lucky day. Aren't you glad you're, you're joining in on this today? The priest is to isolate the affected person for seven days. Now verse 5. On the seventh day, the priest is to examine them, and if he sees that the sore is unchanged and is not spread in the skin, he is to isolate them for another seven days. How in the world did Moses know to mandate a 14-day quarantine in 1400 B.C., 3,400 years ago? 3,300 years before scientists and, and doctors and medical personnel discovered that this would be helpful. It is just astounding. And yet that is the time that we find ourselves in now. This is our moment. And then a Romans 13 moment. Uh, Paul wrote to the followers of Jesus in Rome. He said, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. For the one in authority is God's servant for your good. That is, the government sets up guidelines and regulations for our own protection, for our own good. Give to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, uh, then, then honor. Uh, and, and so in the same way, right now, we are in a Romans 13 moment when our government has asked us to do certain things um, so that we will be safe and so that we will be protected. And that's why here at Purpose Church, we believe this is a give to Caesar what is Caesar's, as Jesus said. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. This is a give to Caesar what is Caesar's moment in history. And that is why we are meeting virtually online, as we're doing right now, and not in person, because the government has asked us to do this for our own safety and for the safety of others. And then it's a 1 Corinthians 13 moment. That is, with all the pressure and the stress that we're under, we're we're called to still be followers of Jesus. We're still called to act like Jesus, to, to be like Jesus. And so our attitude is to be 1 Corinthians 13, no matter how fearful we are, no matter how much stress we're under, how much pressure we're under, here's how we're supposed to act. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. So to quarantine is biblical. And then secondly, to quarantine is beneficial. Now, I want to be so careful here and so sensitive here, um, and forgive me if I'm, I'm not. Please forgive me ahead of time. Uh, if you've lost your job, or you've had a cut in your pay, or you, uh, someone you know has COVID-19, or you have it, uh, it's hard to see any benefits uh, to this time. And and, and for the remainder of this series, we are going to address the hard parts of the, of the pandemic. We are going to address the difficult parts of it. But just for today, let's look for the silver lining in this coronavirus cloud. Okay, let's, let's look for the thin line of certain things that could be a benefit during this time, even though we know it is so difficult for so many people. Uh, Dallas Willard said, solitude, well-practiced will break the power of busyness, haste, isolation, and loneliness. 
you will see that the world is not on your shoulders after all. You will find yourself and God will find you in new ways. Uh, The solitude, the relative solitude that we're experiencing uh, during this particular time of quarantine, there, there is a certain benefit to it. Liv Tyler writes, solitude has its own very strange beauty to it. So let's look at some of the benefits of quarantine. Number one is physical restoration. Now, I know this isn't true for everyone, especially those of you with young children at home. But even though, I I mean, here, the staff here at Purpose Church, we are still um, we, we, we are still working full-time, all of us, uh, those that had positions that were more difficult uh, to be useful during this time, have repurposed themselves, get that? We have repurposed our staff at Purpose Church, that's where I need the laugh track, really, really bad. Uh, we have repurposed everyone, and so we're basically working full-time. My wife, Kimberly, at New Community Academy uh, with her school is continuing virtually online. I know a lot of you teachers are, are doing that as well. And, and so, but if you, like me, are still kind of working full-time, I still have found it interesting. There's still been more margin in my life I don't know if you know if that's true for you, but for me, there's a bit more margin than there normally is. And so there's been a time for a little bit more uh, rest and physical restoration during this time. Uh, David writes in Psalm 23, verse 2, He, God, makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the, the quiet waters. There's an opportunity for uh, restoration, uh, physical restoration during uh, this time. Uh, Mark chapter 6, it says that then because so many people were coming and going, uh, this is with Jesus and his disciples, that they did not even have a chance to eat. Jesus said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Now this next verse is so interesting because God uh, made a prophecy uh, hundreds of years before it came true. He made a prophecy. And, he, and in Leviticus, here again, it's another one of those crazy things that you find in Leviticus. God instructed that they have the land rest one year out of every seven to lie fallow. Now, agricultural scientists discovered this to be true like within the last hundred years. How in the world did Moses knew that, know that 3,400 years ago? It, it's just mind, it's mind-boggling. But God said, you're to let the land rest one year out of seven, and we now know that's sound, scientific-based agricultural practice. But they disobeyed God. They just said, no, we can make more money if we just use the land year in, year out. Uh, we'll, We'll make more money if we disobey the Sabbath principle of letting the land rest one year out of seven. And so eventually when the Israelites were taken into exile in Babylon, what is today the nation of Iraq, the land did have its Sabbath, and God had said this to them. I'll, I'll take the Sabbath one way or another. You give it to me voluntarily, or I'll take it from you involuntarily. And so they go into exile. And, and Jeremiah says the land, or this uh, Second Chronicle says, the land enjoyed its Sabbath rests all the time of its desolation. It rested until the 70 years were completed in fulfillment of the word of the Lord spoken by Jeremiah. And so for 490 years, Israel had not observed the sabbatical years commanded in Leviticus. And so now they were taken into exile into another country for 70 years. Uh, 70 years times 7 is 490 years. And so the land got its rest. And I find in my life, when I abuse the Sabbath principle, when I do not rest one day out of seven, I find that either through sickness or something else, maybe even a pandemic, God has me going through a time of Sabbath involuntarily because I have at times neglected it voluntarily. Then a second benefit is spiritual edification. Uh, Sometimes we need to just slow down so that we don't miss some of the big things in life. You just got to slow down or you miss the big things. I saw the funniest thing from uh, Pastor Brian Houston. He's the founder of Hillsong Church in Australia. And I was watching him the other day, and he said the funniest thing. He said that the early explorers, uh, the European explorers, obviously the indigenous people were already there. But the European explorers, when they, when they searched in this area of, of the world for the first time, 
they discovered New Zealand, but they completely missed Australia. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. They found New Zealand, but they missed Australia. And I think, boy, that's, that's like me. Sometimes I'm running so fast that I, I concentrate on the little things and I miss out on some of the more important or the bigger things. Uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, God says, be still and know that I am God. Maybe through this pandemic, this time of quarantine, God is slowing you down enough so that you know that God is there. He wants to get to know you, um, acquainted with you, you to get acquainted with him during this time of quarantine. Um, Jeremiah writes in Lamentations 3.26, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Maybe, just maybe, this slowing down period has happened so that you can be saved. So that when you slow down and you wait quietly, you will find for the first time in your life the salvation of the Lord. And I'm going to give you a chance to do that uh, in just a few minutes at the end of this message. Even Jesus needed to slow down and separate from others in order to spend time with God the Father. It says in Mark 1.35, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. And then the third benefit is self-evaluation, where we evaluate our lives to make sure that we are living our lives for what is essential. This time of quarantine is a good chance to, to have a halftime um, reappraisal like a team. They have a halftime where they say what went well in the first half, what did not do, what, what needs to be a higher priority in the second half of the game. Maybe God's given this to us for self-evaluation to find out what's essential. Last uh, week I got a kick out of Pastor Eric talking about in this time period of the pandemic, we're figuring out what's essential. What are the essential occupations or jobs? What are the essential ingredients? And he talked about going to four different stores to find bleach. And, and evidently bleach has become an essential uh, item. And so I was shopping, doing grocery shopping in Stater Brothers here near the church uh, just this week. And, and I want to go to find some bleach because I want to take a picture of it to mock Pastor Eric and say, hey, I'll sell this to you for $100 a container. And this is what I found. <laughs> I couldn't find bleach either. It was on the list that Kimberly had given me. It was on my phone. It was on the grocery list. I couldn't find bleach either. Bleach is now essential. And this is a good time for self-evaluation. What's truly the most important, the essential things of our life? In Psalm 139, David writes, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. God, is there anything that is displeasing to you in my life? You've slowed me down enough. You've quieted me down enough for me to ask the question, Lord, is there any offensive way in me? And lead me in the way everlasting. God, I pray that I will be more invested in eternity in the way of the everlasting after the time of quarantine, after the pandemic, than I was before. And then finally, to quarantine is practical. It's practical. Uh, like I said, some have more margin in their lives than others right now, but I have found that I, I have found margin in my life. Maybe you have found that in your own. And so some things can get done that maybe you didn't have the time to do before. Paul wrote the books of Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. Four of the books of the New Testament were written while he was under quarantine. He was under house arrest in Rome. It was a time of quarantine. Wrote four of the, of the most strategic and important books in the Bible. William Shakespeare wrote these works while under quarantine. Macbeth. King Lear, and Anthony and, and Cleopatra. All those were written while he was under quarantine. Sir Isaac Newton, and by the way, I love that hair. This, this might be what I look like in heaven, just so you'll recognize me. That's the hair I want in heaven. He looks like a <laughs> 70s rocker, doesn't he? Okay, 
Uh, I digress. Uh, Sir Isaac Newton, who, by the way, was a very committed follower of Jesus. Sir Isaac Newton discovered calculus. He invented calculus when he was in quarantine during a plague. Now, I don't think that I'm going to do something like discovering calculus uh, during the quarantine. But I can clean out that closet that Kimberly has wanted me to clean out for a long time. I can get that closet cleaned. I mean, that's going to be the evaluation of historians of my life during quarantine. Sir Isaac Newton, calculus. Glenn Gunderson cleaned his closet. (laughs) Oh, hey, here's another thing I did. Uh, This past week or the week before Easter, I finished up my Christmas cards. Finally got them done. I just crossed out on the Christmas cards the word Christmas, Merry Christmas. So instead it said, and I put Easter there instead. So now my cards, my last 10 cards that I hadn't sent out yet, they all said Merry Easter. So it reads Merry Easter uh, to all my friends. And so I've started a new trend. From now on, it will not be Um, you know, Happy Easter or Merry Christmas, it's going to be Merry Easter. And you'll know that the trend started here. But you know, there's been some truly important things that I've been able to do um, during the quarantine. My son Noah and I, uh, we started a Bible reading plan together. We'd been meaning to do that for years, a long time. And so Noah and I started uh, a, a plan of reading through the Bible together. Uh, now, that, that's pretty important. That might even be as important as discovering calculus. Uh, there are some great ministry opportunities, and I've just been so excited to see how God has been using you during this time. Well, here's another ministry opportunity. Over the years, our church has held blood drives on our campus and has donated over 300 units of blood. And so if you're under the age of 65 and if you're healthy, would you consider donating blood? It's desperately needed at this time. As a matter of fact, just off the cuff, I'm going to set a goal of 100 units. Could we as a church give 100 units during the pandemic? And so if you go to our COVID-19 page on our website, uh, you'll see links to various donation centers. Uh, Our family, uh, the four of us, have an appointment for the four of us at Pomona Valley Hospital Blood Drive on Tuesday. And so there we go. There's, there's the first four. We need 96 more to get to our goal of 100. Uh, I love this quote um, about the early church. In 165 AD, a plague of smallpox swept through the mighty Roman Empire, wiping out one out of every three people in the population. It happened again in 251 AD when 5,000 people per day were dying in the city of Rome alone. Those infected were abandoned by their families to die in the streets. The government was helpless, and the emperor himself died from the plague. Pagan priests fled their temples and abandoned the people. People were too weak to help themselves. If the plague did not kill you, hunger, thirst, and loneliness would. Yet following the plagues, the good reputation of Christians was confirmed, and the number of Christians grew exponentially. Why did that happen? The Christians did not have perfect intellectual answers to the reasons or the causes of evil, and they didn't have a supernatural ability to avoid pain and suffering. They simply came with water and food and with their presence. If you knew a Christian, you were statistically more likely to survive. If you survived, it was the church that offered you the more loving, stable, and caring environment. There's just one passage that I want to close with, and it's from Jeremiah 29. And when the Israelites, I talked about them going into Babylonian captivity, into into exile, and there was a tendency during this time to just kind of sit and wait for it to be done. Just go to Babylon and wait, 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 wait until we can go back home again. And God caused Jeremiah to do a prophecy to the people to say, look, bloom where you're planted. Don't be glad when it's over and you get to go back home again, but bloom where you're planted. Use this time for good purposes, uh, and God will bless you if you do that. Don't just sit there waiting, when is it over, when is it over, when is it over? Use this time for, for God to do a work in and through you. 
This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I've carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. He's basically saying bloom where you're planted. Um, Pray for this to be over quickly. But in the meantime, let's just see how God can use us during this time, can work in our lives and work in and through us. Before we we close off with a a closing video I want to share with you as we begin to end our time, uh, remember I said that if you've never committed your life to Christ or if you've followed Christ in the past but you are no longer following him uh, today, I was going to give you a chance to do that with three words, sorry, God, I'm sorry that I've neglected you. I'm sorry for the sin and wrongdoing in my life. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I could be forgiven Thank you for pursuing me even when I've neglected you. And please, Jesus, would you come into my heart, forgive my sins, be my Savior. I wait now on you for my salvation. And please help me to follow you for the rest of my life. Would you pray silently as I pray out loud? Oh God, I'm sorry for the sin and wrongdoing and that I have neglected you. But thank you that even in this time of quarantine, I can be still and know that you are God. Thank you for Jesus for dying on the cross for me, for my forgiveness, for my salvation. And please be my savior. Please come into my life, into my heart. And please be my leader and my king. And I will follow you for the rest of my life. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's family said, amen. How do we grow? By strength or resolve? Can we make it so? Can we shape the course of our lives according to our purpose and designs? Or add a single hour to the measure of our time? How can we ever venture into what is unknown when we are incapable of the smallest change on our own? Looking back over the span of our lives, we can see the marks that testify to how far we've come, how much we've grown, how much of His grace we have been shown. The marks of maturity on our lives, the evidence of the work of Christ, the seed that He has planted in our heart. The Lord has also watered and will refine every part. It is His intention to give it growth. Until it comes to fruition, He has sealed it with His oath that He who began this good work in you will see it through. In this lies our hope, not in what we do. But we do not grow alone. Our roots are intertwined, one with another, so that your strength is mine. While we wait in expectation, no growth can be seen. The tender shoots that so quickly spring up must grow strong, lest they remain frail and green. Would we be overwhelmed by perils in store that His timing seeks to prepare us for? Let us endure our trials with patience, for it's in His goodness that we trust and hold fast to our commitment, resting in His faithfulness to us. His goal is for our good. On this our assurance falls, that He who began this good work 
will surely make it grow tall.